You're listening to a Cripple and Co. production. Hey there, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm coming at you with a titillating reminder that pre-sales for the world's first disability-driven sex toy, the Bump and Joystick, are open right now. You can go to www.getbumpin.com. That's www.getbumpin.com. And you can pre-order your very own Bump and Joystick right now. Or you can get a gift card for that deliciously disabled person in your life right now. Do it now. Go get it and be part of this amazing new innovation in sex tech. Thanks, friends. Hey, Disability After Dark listeners, Andrew here. I'm here with my friend Kristen, who's a friend of the show, and you've heard her on the show before. But did you know she's also a counselor in training with a physical disability? Hey, Kristen, can you tell us more about that? Hey, Andrew, I sure can. Um, I've been working as a peer support counselor for about seven years now, and I'm now expanding my services, offering trauma-informed accessible support to community members. Uh, Some of the things I cover are anxiety, depression, grief, relationship issues, and all from a disability-centered standpoint. I I love that so much, and I love that we're finally talking about offering disability-centered counseling to other disabled folks, because it's so rarely in the field, and I'm so glad you're doing that. And so I wonder, Kristen, are you offering these services to, oh, I don't know, listeners of a particular podcast? on this particular ad right now? Absolutely, Andrew. I'm offering accessible services to listeners of this podcast and anyone else who's interested in contacting me. And she's also doing that. Yeah, yeah, you're also doing it whether you're disabled or not, which is totally great. So this service is for everyone. And I think what makes it unique is that even if you're not disabled, you can learn things from a disability-centered lens. And I think that's really important. Yes. So, Kristen, this is awesome and this is so great. Can you tell us what your hours are like? Sure. Right now, I'm able to offer pretty flexible availability to meet the needs of everyone. I know that um, sometimes having physical disabilities and just life being busy in general, it's hard to uh, make time for things like counseling, but I think it's really important. So um, when we touch base, hopefully we can work out a time that works for you. That's awesome. Now, you know, you and I know from trying to get traditional counseling services in in the past, how often financially inaccessible they are. So what's the cost of all this great service? Yeah, because I believe that uh, counseling should be accessible and affordable for everyone. My fee right now is a sliding scale starting at $20 per hour. That is so, that's, that is that's like basically cheaper than anything you can buy on Amazon right now. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's yeah. Pretty awesome. So I want everybody to know how they can get a hold of you and how they can how they can access your services because what you're offering is so important. How do people get a hold of you? So right now the best way to reach me is through email. It's Kristen.williams10 at gmail.com. That's Kristen K-R-I-S-T-E-N dot williams w-i-l-l-i-a-m-s one zero at gmail.com amazing i'll make sure also Kristen, that all of this is in the show notes for the episode today 
Thank you so Thanks. much. Thank you so much for being here and telling us what you do. Thanks. Thanks, Andrew. Bye. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone of willy or clone of pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone of willy or clone of pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD. That's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you so very much for clicking on the brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your deliciously disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. Let us get comfy, cozy, quarantined, and crippled because... Holy fuck, the pandemic is still going. And let's get comfy, cozy, crippled, and quarantined and get the show started, shall we? Couple of things before we get to today's episode. I want to let you know that I want you on the show. So I'd love for you to join me on the show and talk about your disability experience and your experience of disability, even if you are not disabled. I would love for you to be a guest and to sign up and talk to me and have a fun chat. This show really is, for me, a passion project. And I love sitting down with every single guest I have to talk about their different experience of disability or to sit down with a guest who is not disabled and answer questions and talk about ableism and talk about disability in a whole different kind of way. So I would love for you to be a guest on the show. Consider going to the link to sign up in the show notes or you can head over to my website 
andrewgerza.com and there should be a sign-up link right there as well. So please consider signing up to be on the show. I would love to have you and have brand new voices for the 2022 episode. So please consider being a part of this show and sign up. One of the series I do on the show that I did back at the beginning of the pandemic was Quarantine and Chill, and I think, given that we're entering into our third year of this pandemic, I want to hear from the voices of disabled people again, because I think it's important that we do that. So I'm putting this call out again for you, if you're listening, and you want to tell me about your pandemic experience, we'll have special episodes of Quarantine and Chill popping up again very soon. But in order to do that, I need to record episodes about that. So if you want to come on and talk specifically about your experience of the pandemic as a disabled person, I would love to hear from you. So email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. I need to give a shout out to the people that keep a bright light shining on this show and the people who are able to support the show via Patreon. And I need to give a shout out to today's Patreon who who simply identifies themselves as M. So M pledged $10 a month to keep the show going. And for M's awesome pledge, they get the show one day early and a weird sexy awkward shout out for me so let me do the weird awkward shout out right now and it's this m m m m m letter m i love how cool you are that you don't need to have a whole name you're just in a letter and you are m believable for for pledging ten dollars a month thank you so much m for your pledge and thank you for for Shining a light on this important show. The show that I do from my bedroom. It means so much. Thank you, thank you, M, for your pledge. See, I never said the shoutouts were good. They were just there. And that's what this one was. If you want to get a weird, totally unplanned, awkward shoutout from me on the show for your pledge, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or as much as $5 a month to keep the show going, and I would love your support. We are currently sitting at, upon the time of this recording, we're sitting at around 93 patrons. I would love to get us up to 100 if possible, so if you're able to pledge, I would really appreciate it. But also, one way you can support the show that also really helps is by going to your podcast catcher and leaving us a five-star review telling the world why you listen and why the show is important. And I know you're out there because I get emails from people all the time saying how much they love the podcast and they love what we, what I do here. Um, they love what the community that I'm trying to create. So if you could put that awesomeness in a pledge, or sorry, in not a pledge, if you could put that awesomeness in a review, I would fully, totally appreciate it. And if you leave this review, more people will know about the show and then more people will learn about disability, which is totally the goal of this show, right? So, awesome. Thank you. Enough of my rambling urging you to pledge for things, right? Let me get to the show today then. On the show today, I pulled out an episode that I did back in May of 2021, 
and I talked to my good friend Joe Tully, who is a disability activist out of the UK, and I love sitting down with her because we just had a really fun, fluid conversation about everything from her experiences kind of kind of, kind of coming to terms with her disability activism and how disability disability activism was something she didn't really want to do at first and how she has come to terms with becoming an activist. We talk about the ways that our activism is different from some other people out there. We talk about her experiences of disability. We also talk about her experiences of disability in terms of dating and sexuality and queerness. We talk about also the differences between equity and equality, and Joe gives us a, a deeper understanding of what equity and equality mean for her, and we talk about so much here, but I love sitting down with her because we got to understand from each other how hard it is sometimes to go into disability activism together, and I loved hearing her side of things and what it means for her and how she's doing it differently. Plus, we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff too, and she was just a great, fun, honest guest. So I'm excited for you to hear her chat with me, my friend, my new friend, Joe Tully. She's amazing, and I hope you enjoy the show. So get ready for my interview with activist Joe Tully right now on Disability After Dark. Joe Tully, hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's so, it's so, it was so nice to get your email and your, like, your form, and I was really excited to see that you wanted to be on here, so that's great. So, thank you. Um, you are one of our other amazing guests from across the pond. Can you tell us a little bit about where you are right now? Yeah, so I'm in Lincoln, UK. Um, it's about seven o'clock here, and I think we're about six hours ahead of you-ish. That's right, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a really nice way to spend a Sunday evening. Oh, that's so nice. Well, I'm, I'm really happy to be here, and I, I miss... I tell all my friends from Girls Upon that I was in London in 2019, so I miss it really, really. And I know Lincoln is not London, but I definitely miss like being over there. To be fair, I think everyone misses everywhere right now, don't they? Like, I mean, also true. Very fair. A hundred percent. Yes. Correct. Um, so can you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, so as you've already said, I'm Jo Tolly. Um, I've created the brand iJot, as in iJo Tolly, so it's really simple to remember, even for me, who has the memory of like a goldfish. Um, I am a disability activist, advocate, lover of tea, good people, and specifically, I advocate for equity over equality which enables us to reach diversity. Amazing. That's really cool. I like that. Um, <clears throat> tell me a little bit about um, your love of tea and why do you love tea so much? Um, I don't know. It's a typical British thing of tea just solves 
everything in life, you know, like Armageddon can be happening and he is just there to cure everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm fueled on tea. I'm a little bit of a hippie, but also quite grinchy as well. So I generally refer to myself as a hippie grinch because I'm telling people to live their best lives and all of that stuff and then equally hissing at people to go away not like nine times out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And I, I definitely have some hippie grinch energy myself, so I fully fully understand this. Um, tell me a little bit about now you said you said just there that you were a disability activist and you do stuff for for disability rights and all this stuff. And I, we all, we all, I, all of us who work in disability justice do that. And that can be really, like, that's, that's a lot. So tell me, just before we get into like the, before we get into all of that stuff, tell me something that's completely not related to disability that you like to do. So I like, I will do anything once. So literally like you could say, let, let's go skiing, let's, let's climb a mountain, let's have an airplane and I would totally be there. Um, so yeah, I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. Aside from that, I love hanging out with my friends. Um, I love good food. Good food is... Ooh, is yeah, yeah. I mean, the food in your country is historically questionable, but, but what, what, what's your favorite, what's your favorite food? Oh, I love a curry. Um, oh yeah, curry. curry a, a takeaway curry is pretty good. Yeah, um, love a curry. Love uh, Mexican food. I'm a meat eater, so like anything, take me to, to a steakhouse. It's it's all good. Um, Amazing. Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. Um, all right, so let's dive into the questions. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about? Actually, let me let me get the proper question up because I made it really fancy and cool, and I forget what it was. Um, can you describe what your disabilities are and how they impact you both positively and negatively in your day to day life? Yeah, so um, I guess my rehearsed answer for that is, is we all have a rehearsed answer for our disabilities. I think is I've got quadriplegic cerebral palsy. Um, oh, I knew it. I could tell right away. I was like, "Yep, because yeah. so do I." Hey. You can hear it in people's voices, though. I yeah, you have the C, you have the CP accent for sure. <laughs> it's so weird, but anyway, I'm glad you like that's a thing, and it's not just me stalking random people. Um, yeah, so I've got quadriplegic self palsy because of that. I'm a full-time wheelchair user. Um, my left side is weaker than my right, and all the rest of it. Um, so. I have a slight visual impairment, but not enough to like massively affect my day to day life. And a wonky spine, I've got scoliosis. So. Oh, nice! Scoliosis is <laughs> the jam. Did you have you had the fun surgery where they put a rod in there yet? No, see, I'm I'm not quite at the degree level that our NHS want me to be at for that to happen, but. And to be fair, it's not it's not causing me any issues. It would be great if I was a little bit taller because I'm only four four five, so <laughs> a little bit of You're only four five. Yeah. 
terrified. Well, you don't, you look very tall. For, I mean, I know I realize you're sitting, but you look very tall from what I can see right now. The thing is, when I get out of my chair and like use my walker, people are always like, oh, you're so short. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> I think the chair gives me a bit of height or sort of gives the illusion of height. Yeah, yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about, so you have CP, you have scoliosis, you have a wonky spine and eye. Um, tell me a little bit about some positive parts of, of your disability you know that impact I day to day. CP and disability in general, from my perspective, gives you almost the creative spark to think outside of the box always, because things are not conventional, things are not like normal. Like you start to turn loosely, but quite often because yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, so I think outside the box a lot. I think I, I empathize um, quite a lot with, with various people in various situations. I don't know whether that's linked to my CP or whether it's just something that naturally I have. Um, when people say like, you know, well, oh, I don't know how you cope, I don't know how you manage, I'm like, well, this is all I've known. So I, I can't really distinguish between what is CP and, and what CP has given me and, and as to what I would naturally be like without CP, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I'm quite determined. I think I'm quite resilient because I don't know I just don't like to be told no no you can't do that well, actually <laughs> actually yes I can't and even if it kills me I'm going to prove to you that I can do um, do you so, ever find yeah. that do you ever find that like, I understand why you would feel that way and why you would want to present that to people and be like I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway and like fuck you I'm gonna do it anyway but do you feel like that because I feel sometimes when I do that, it's exhausting, and I want to be like, no, I, like, I can't do that, and I can't, and it, it's hard. And yeah, I mean, I think there are days because I'm, I'm sure you're the same with, with um, both your energy levels that literally yeah. just go from I'm high the kite 100 percent, and I've got enough energy to share with you and the rest of the world to just not today just like go away <laughs> yeah yeah I'm just not and I, th- I think that combined with um the almost like the advocacy thing because you know you live and breathe disability so much so that actually that in itself being you just is exhausting sometimes does that make sense yeah a hundred percent. Like, I think that's why I asked you, like, what are the things you like to do that have nothing to do with disability? Because we very rarely get to explore that with disabled people. We're usually either we choose activism like I did or also like I did. We're kind of forced into it because we have to be advocates for ourselves. Yeah, see, I was, it was interesting because I spent the first, so I'm now 27. I spent the first 25 years of my life just going do you know what I know I'm just able like 
the wheelchair is, is an obvious indicator of that. And I'm not going to like deny that that fact, but equally, I don't want anything to do with activism. I just want to live my life and, and just have disability as being almost just something that has to come with me because I've got no other option. Yeah. And that that worked so far until I realised that I was literally going on the same circle of I don't know what I want to do with my life. And because I'm quite dramatic as person, literally every time that happened, it was like the whole world was gonna end. I like how you justify yourself as I don't think I've had a guest tell me that they're dramatic like that before. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I do, I do, I do dramatise a lot. It's something that I've learned. Like, it's either the best thing in the world or it's, it's like, the end of the world. Um, I'm quite polarised as well. Um, so I think at the point where I went, do you know what, I really don't know what I'm going to do and I don't know how to get around life without kind of really acknowledging the fact that I'm disabled and I sort of threw everything up in the air and went do you know what it is what it is whatever will happen will happen and then yeah pretty soon after that I found myself blogging as a disabled writer kind of being an activist and then on the TEDx paper pool stage which is our Lincoln TEDx talking about disability and almost advocating for it and if you've said two years two years ago oh you know you're going to end up doing this I'd have been like no I'm not like there is no way in the world that I'm going to do this and actually I am and it is and it's been the greatest two and a half years of my life so yeah that's awesome that's really great um um and I think you know I think the fact I think you are going on, on a journey that many disabled people go on of like deciding and it changes sometimes for me it changes by the hour it's like oh, i don't want to do disability today i don't want to talk about it i don't want it to be entirely what i do and then you get like brought back into it by something or somebody you know tells you how inspiring your work is to them and you're like well i guess i can't stop now because because i help people feel better so like, i guess we're yeah. doing it and I think sometimes, like you say, like it is very much. I I don't want to hear this today. I just want to sit, rock in a corner, watch Netflix, and not bother. Um, yeah. But actually, because we are what we advocate for, you kind of have to get yourself out of that rut. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, exactly. And I think. The one thing that does really irritate me there, and I don't, I don't know what you're saying, I'm, I'm guessing you probably are, but when people automatically assume that because you're disabled, you're also inspirational, like it comes as disability is synonymous with inspiration. Yeah, I mean, that my views on that have changed as I've gotten older. I'm, I'm trying to, I try to meet people where they're at and I try to be like, okay, I see why you, I, I understand why you might think that way. So I'm not going to get mad at you, but I'm going to ask you to really critically look at why you, why you feel that way. Like, where is the inspiration coming from? And I also like, if they're not trying to hurt me and they're not trying to be like 
horrible humans. I'm like, all right, sure. Me going to the grocery store, let that be a thing that makes you happy. Sure, fine. Exactly. Like, yeah. As you'll find as you get as you turn into an old person like I am, that those things start to really quickly <laughs> like not matter anymore. Um, and that's tough. You you learn to just to let it go. So I think I mean I'm always learning just like, okay, as long as you're not being an asshole, then sure. <laughs> Yeah, and I think as long as it comes, like you say, from a good place, as long as people are, are trying, um, I don't have as much of an issue with it as I did when I was younger. And I think that whole disability and the inspiration thing was very much why I didn't, why I kind of resisted the activism for so long. Because yeah. I, I just want to be me. I don't want, I don't want to be your poster girl how how inspirational people can be i mean for me the activism came from really and truly and i've said this before but it came from i need a job um i can use this to make money i can use my story to like get people to pay me to talk about my story because they need me for their diversity stuff and so like that's where it came from not so much I don't want to be your inspiration more like mm, if I use this will you pay me great awesome good yeah I, th- I think everyone has used the disability card very much to kind of because if you've got it use it right if, if you've got something yeah. you may as well use it to better your life and and everyone else's as you do so yeah yeah completely um wow that was only one that was only one question wow wow um no no i love it I love, no no i love it. i just i love people that talk a lot because i also talk a lot so don't you don't don't feel like you have to like i don't want a cookie cutter answer i like all the things you're saying um so one of the things you said in the questionnaire that i found interesting was i'd love for you to talk to us joe about the differences between equity and the, different, and the difference between equity and equality and how those two things have played a role in your disabled identity. And so first tell us that and then we'll go on to the next part of the question. Yeah, I mean, I th- when, you, when you asked that and I read it, I found it really interesting because I think the answer that I would have given you a year ago is, is slightly different to the answer that I'm going to give you now. So I think for me, equality very much sort of in the past was about, um, in my eyes, it was about disabled people being put on a pedestal and shouting about their rights and not really thinking about what what they wanted. And I didn't really get that. And I I just found, I was kind of, it was really weird. I was kind of a little bit ableist myself, I guess. just because I, I was so bitter that like people were telling me, oh, you should be an activist because you've got a voice and you should use it. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to just, I don't, I don't know what I want to do, but I don't want to hear what you're telling me that I should do. Um, yeah. And so at the point, like I said earlier, when I just thought, you know what, none of this is working out. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm, I'm kind of going to give up but also just let go and and see see what happens um the concept of equity sort of floated 
by me. I, I can't even remember what, where or why or how at this point. But to me, it was just like, oh, yeah, like equity is, and I still think this the way that we get to diversity. So equity gives us, whereas equality kind of gives us the rights, which like, absolutely we need, and I'm not saying we don't need. Equity gives us the opportunity to explore those rights and explore what, what we want to do as, as human beings. Like, yeah. like, forget the disability for a minute, just what we want to do as people. Um, so what I you're think, saying is just so that just that it, that it's clear to to the audience listening. So that equality is is gives us a baseline of what we deserve just as humans. Yeah. And then equity equity allows for us to like go in and see which things work for us and which things don't. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I think so. You put it this way: we we all have the right to climb a mountain, yeah, because mountains are there. We all have the right to climb them. Yeah. Equity, I think, sort of stops us in our tracks a little bit and, and says, you know what? Yeah, you can absolutely do that because you've got the right to do that. But is that what you want to do? Or are you just doing it because you've got the right to do it and someone's giving you the right to do it? So for me, equity is how we get how we become the best versions of ourselves and, and kind of reach that diversity, inclusivity. Um, integration mark that I think we're all striving for. However, the other day I had a bit of an epiphany as we do it at two o'clock in the morning. Um, and I think I, what I kind of established was we all we all strive for equality because we all we all want rights and we all want to be treated equally. But in in that very act, we have to act through equity because in order to get those rights we have to want something for ourselves and it's it's very personal does that make any sense yeah it does I mean, it's definitely it's definitely challenging for me what what i believed equity and equality to be i mean it's my understanding of equality was that we all have baseline rights like you're saying and then equity was like but if you need an accommodation like a wheelchair or like you know a certain thing the will provide that for you so it's certainly it's your your yeah, definition and, and it is that and I, th- I think okay so to go back to basics is that very um you know like the the old you get the image of, of the people looking over over on the box head. right yeah yeah it is that but I think taking that further it, it kind of for me and like I say I'm a bit bit of a creative bit of a drama queen like I like to make things into like have wider meanings and and for me that is what that you know equity is our chance to be the best versions of who we are and kind of embrace the the disability embrace the diversity embrace the imperfection but at its very core and to be fair I should probably uh, with that, it is that you know, not everybody needs absolutely everything to be equal to have the same opportunities and the same rights. Go back to yeah. the box and the fence. Yeah. Uh, well, I like that. I, I like I like how 
you went deeper into what equity can mean for us. And I think it's important that we look at these um, schemes that we have, these like these ideologies that we put out there and we go deeper into them. So I like that you, in the dramatic flair that you have, that you were up, were up at like two in the morning having, an, having epiphanies about what equity and equality are. That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, always having some kind of existential crisis. That's not, I'm okay with that. That's totally fine. Um, but so for you, other than like the activism piece, how has either equity or equality been a part of your disabled life? I think equity. Do you know what that? That's a really tricky question because. I don't think I truly recognised what equality and equity were before I decided to be an activist. Um, Because I just didn't... I mean, I knew there was an Equality Act and I knew that as a disabled person, people, thank God, fought for our rights to kind of be be who we are. And yes, we've got a long way to go, but... We, we, we've come a long way too, right? Um, and I knew that, and I, it wasn't that I wasn't grateful for that. It just, it didn't enter my sphere as to what these things were because I, it just, I just wanted to bumble along my own little merry way and yeah, get a job that wasn't going to sort of, my disability wasn't going to be too obvious, but also now I knew that again I had these rights, so I could I could get a career. And but to be honest, like I think that was quite naive of me because actually well, I'm I'm giggling because unfo- like whether fortunately or unfortunately, your disability is quite noticeable. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly, and I think. You know, I, I, I was about very aware of that and I was very aware that, you know, kids would stay me in the street and I didn't I didn't really have a problem with it because you've always got to educate them. Like I, I always had the well just, you know, hi, I'm Joe, I've got one key legs because part of my brain was half of oxygen at birth was, was my line, right? Um but I don't think I fully came to terms with what disability meant for me until about two and a half years ago. And so can you, so now that you've, now that you've been in it for two and a half years on your journey of like understanding disability, what does it mean to you? Good question. Um, I think so my, my whole my whole goal in, within our job, within life, within just who I am as a person is to make a difference um, to people and to kind of change their perspectives. Um, I think for me, and I, to a point, I think it's the same for every activist. Or I, I presume it's the same for every activist in that, as a disabled person, I would like to do myself out of a job as an activist. So I, I kind of, disability is a thing. It happens, you know, 20% of us worldwide have a disability or will 
will have a disability. Um, but it just needs to be seen as part of humanity and not, yeah. not like a marginalised society or, or group. Um, but yeah, being, but for me on a personal level, aside from the activism, I think it means, <laughs> I mean, in my head, I want, what do you get? You get a huge jump at this week, that looks a good thing. Um, you know, it, it does, there is perks to the job, for sure. Um, it means that I get to work with some really great people on a daily basis. It means that I've got the the, the greatest friends on the planet. Um, it's I think without my disability, my entire social circle and who I am as a person would not be what it is. And then and to try and sort of take the disability out of who I am, even though it's that's really really tricky I, I actually think I'd be quite well I'd be dramatic which I am now but I, th- I think I'd be quite <laughs> centered in that I'm quite um I don't know I, I, I think disability softens who I would be ordinarily I mean I think to come to those realizations really I mean you've been disabled your whole life but you've really been into disability only two years so to come to those realizations so quickly is really, really cool. And really, to see the, to finally see the value for yourself in what disability can do is for you on a personal level. I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, but again, like I, I'm sure in sort of 10 years time, if you came to me, I would have an entirely different answer. Oh yeah. yeah. And, and you know, me having done this for a decade, my views on disability activism and disability justice and even some of the disability community who I love and adore but you know there are facets of that that have changed for me and I used to be rah rah rights every able-bodied person is horrible and how dare they and as as you get older you'll and you'll realize if you keep doing this that you're like I don't want to fight with anybody I just want I just want people to smile I just want to make the world happier yeah I th- and I think again going back to sort of what why I sort of wasn't an activist so long um was exactly that like I, ju- I just didn't like the divide that I thought and, and this is a really sweeping generalization that isn't accurate at all and I know that now but I thought that activists just sort of, it was very us and them. Um, and it was very, you know, I, I was part of like um, disability participation groups as a teen and it seemed quite tokenistic. And I just, I just didn't like the divide. And I think that is what put me off for so long. And I didn't really realize until like I say, a couple of years ago that you could do it differently. And just because you're an activist doesn't necessarily mean that you hate everybody else that isn't or that isn't agreeing with you or isn't fighting for your fight. Do you know what I mean? I, oh, completely. And I wish that the social media activists, some of the people on social media who talk about disability are quite angry 
And I feel sometimes like, okay, I support you doing whatever you need to do, but I'm going to be over here not doing that uh, because like, it just, I don't feel like it furthers our cause. And I think I just want activism to be fucking sexy and fun and weird and enjoyable. And I'm trying, I, cause 10 years ago when I started doing this, I was that angry, like embittered person that you talk about. And now I'm just like, well, whatever. All right. Like, yeah. And like, you meet some really great people, right? You meet in the in the kind of activism community. You meet some really, really good people that are sort of doing it in a non-aggressive way. Um, yeah. And and they're they're the real gems, I think. Like just they're just generally happy for everybody all of the time. Yeah, no, I know. I those are the people that I. That the more and more I do this, that's how I gravitate to is the people that just want to have a conversation. And I also really like to gravitate to. Um, and I love, like you said earlier, like, you know, when people run up to you on the street and say, what happened to you? I, as frustrating as that question can be sometimes, I really value giving people a, mo- a moment of education. And it's yeah, always been absolutely. something that I enjoyed, if, I really, if I'm really honest, as much as we're like not supposed to enjoy it as, disabled people who were supposed to roll their eyes and go oh, how dare they ask us part of me was like no but I like doing that because now they know and now it's yeah. like, isn't, isn't that and better? it starts with education it absolutely does like how, yeah. how are we as activists and advocates how do we expect society to meet us in the middle if we're not willing to meet them in the middle like you know you don't even know you don't even know how much that resonates with what i've been trying to do for 10 years yeah, like, just, yeah definitely although there was this there was this one guy a few years ago we have a federal like just strolling through a park on a really nice summer's day and and we were chatting i don't know what about and this guy was like um what's wrong with you and I, I, I just, for a second, I was like, what the hell is he all about? Like, have I got something on my face? Like, what, what is this? Yeah, did and I sneeze like, weird? My legs don't work. <laughs> that was all I got. With just my legs don't work. Um, just because I, I was totally thrown. So I think that moment of education is great. But you also have to be in the zone all of the time to yeah. educate. Yeah, and I'm like I recognize other activists have said like it's exhausting. I get that part totally, but also, like somebody said to me the other day, I was having a down moment about disability, and I was like, "Oh, do you like me? Like, do you think I'm hot?" And they were like, "Andrew, stop getting in your head for a minute. Like, <laughs> like let's talk about what you're here to do on this earth." And they like they said they set me straight and said like, "You're here." to educate, to bring knowledge and to bring people to happiness. And so just remember that. And it was a moment of like, oh, that is what I'm here to do. And I had to like remind myself that like, don't worry about, you know, whether someone thinks you're hot, just, I mean, people will, but just like do your thing and be okay with that. Yeah. And I, I love those people. I've got, I've got friends that are exactly like that. Cause I think like you say, you know, you, you very much live and breathe what you do on 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 a like it it doesn't have the stop does it really so you do no it's a you you live it on a cellular level it's like in yeah. your it's literally in your body is to do this so yeah 
Um, and it, you know, you do get in your own head, but like, I, I have friends too that are just like, what, what, you know, just, just do you. Let's let's just go back to basics for a second and remember why we're all here. Um, so yeah, I t- I totally get that. Um, tell me a little bit about how your disabilities impact. Tell me about how being a person with a disability has informed your romantic relationships, your friendships, just relationships in general. Do you know when when you sent me that question, I was just like, wow, like it's yeah. So um, I think, and it's controversial, but hey, hey, we'll go with it. I'm ready. Um, I'm ready. Go there. I think yes. Um, being disabled and having so many um, females around me like all of the time has very much influenced like my sexuality but uh, you know I, I think I, I wonder whether it has and I, it's hard to know whether it hasn't because as, as I said to you before like what is because of your disability and what is because that's just naturally the way that you are um, I think, you know, in terms of relationships, as as you will probably know, like it's it's tricky to get past the elephant in the room for some people. Um, yeah, it's uh, you know people presume that you're you're going to be straight and um, you know because a lot of people um you know you're either disabled or you're something else you can't be both um yeah and so it's almost like you can't have more than one one label um i think uh, because my life as a whole it has to be very planned and organized and this person's coming in this time to do this so i can get there I do that within like my my idea of a relationship and within my relationships that are actually physically there. Um, so you know, I, on a first day, I will be going, oh, well, you know, how is how is this going to work? And what if they don't want kids? And and like it is literally like if I let my brain say what it was thinking. <laughs> like, <laughs> So because of the disability, let's let's go back for a minute. So because of the disability, because you've been around around female identified humans all your life taking care of you and like just being around you. Are you were you saying that that's how that's how you 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 wonder if that impacted your your queerness? Yeah, so 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 I'm gay. Um so and I I wonder whether whether just the sheer amount of 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 it's not necessarily it sounds really weird, doesn't it? But like, I just wonder whether that level of interaction all of the time very much kind of swayed the way that I am. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I you know it could. Be. I would say to you. You're 27 and you're allowed to explore all the things. You have all the time in the world to figure it out. And it doesn't matter because <laughs> sexuality is a spectrum. But I, li- I like the, I like, you know, that we would think about 
because and you know I, I had an attendant one day who was abusive and horrible and we don't work together anymore but they were being rather rude to me and they said I've heard stories about you you only like male attendants because you're gay and I was like well what so yeah but like but it's interesting because when I when I was um would have been about 14 I had a PA um who was was a lesbian and we got on great and, and she she is a really good friend now um and the amount of people that came up to me were like oh you've got to be really careful because because she's gay and she's showering you and it's kind of like okay how how, how does that work and just explain to me how yeah well, <laughs> and why would that be a thing that, what is yeah your like brain, um sort of makes makes that a thing like it's, it's so weird and, and I, I still don't fully get it but um yeah, and like like now I I just hired a male carer, and and people are like, oh that that's that's you know, are you okay with that? It's like, well, you, yeah, he's human. I'm human. and also because it's care and like it's people care. don't realize that there's like if there's a boundary crossed, then you'll fire him and there'll be a investigation done, hopefully. Uh, and you know we are very respectful of are you okay if I do this and are you okay if I do that? But then it's no different to any other PA I've had. So um, yeah, but kind of condensing a little bit um, in terms of relationships. Yeah, I, I would say I I'm very quick to kind of dispel the old and in the room because I, I'm very aware that there is one when I'm dating and then so I'm, you're like hi my name's John here's all my needs and let's talk with them right now no so uh, so I actually um an ex was very much like that he would only talk about like disabled stuff and care stuff um and I found that really routine because you know like there's more to life right um but I think I so on dating profiles and on like face-to-face dates when they're allowed to happen hopefully soon um I'm very quick to give a whistle-stop tour of I mean I don't don't go into massive detail because you don't want to scare anyone off but I'm very quick to um sort of say this is my disability and this is what it means and and if you don't like that or if you don't like anything that that may entail then you know um no no hard feelings but this absolutely isn't the relationship for you yeah totally i mean do you i find when i do that on profiles i use a lot of humor and i use like want to touch my big joystick like I'm, I'm very I'm <laughs> is, there, is there any is there any like hum- humorous thing you do to make people yeah laugh? but that that's throughout like life I I will use humor my nan always taught me laugh, laugh at everything even when it isn't funny and <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I absolutely do that to the point where sometimes I laugh really inappropriately at everything all of the time. Um, yeah, that's that's me. That you and me would get along very well because I laugh at funerals and it's not appropriate. Yeah. Don't take me to a funeral. It's just not okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a dangerous, dangerous game. Don't take me there. Um. So yeah, I think I use humor. Um. And I've got to be honest, like I, I'm still kind of learning, especially in romantic relationships where, I mean, my love life right now is as dry as anything, right? It's non-existent. Um, but I'm still very much learning where that that line is because I think what, what I forget, and I sort of say we, hoping that there is a collective somewhere, um, is that you know we we live disability all of the time and, and it's kind of quite easy to forget that some people literally have no experience with any kind of disability they haven't even come across yeah. it so our level of humor is to what is to what's acceptable and, and what's what isn't is is likely to be very very different for a lot of the people oh yeah completely and I think you know sometimes oh I, I remember going on a date with somebody and the date ended up being a trash fire and the guy was ridiculous but we went on a date and I said to him can you I want you to make disability jokes with me like I, I we, we've been texting back and forth like the day before a couple of days before and I kept being like I, when we go to dinner I want you to make I want you to make some disability jokes so you can get comfortable and crack the ice and be we can relax because all I know how to do is make fun of my disability so you relax so you need to do it too so that we can both and he was like I just can't I'm just too scared I've heard of you and I was like it's fine he wouldn't do it and so the all my humor fell flat because he was like I don't get why that's funny and I was like because you're so afraid so it taught me to like yeah it taught me to like to like not um, to like not you know not push so hard and kind of meet people where they're at and let them if they're uncomfortable just let them be uncomfortable for a minute and that's okay yeah and I, th- I think that that's the same with you know I like I say to you I am an open book like you can pretty much ask me anything and I will give you an answer Um, but I know I've got friends that have got the same condition as we have so it's quite common right it's quite CP is just like there's nothing like overly special about it or rare about it um but they are still so sensitive to to their disability and I often wonder whether they're almost need we kind of need to balance it out a little bit because if 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 we go on a date and, and we're hacking with disability jokes, then it's falling on their fears or, or people are uncomfortable. Potentially, it's because we, as a marginalised group, kind of need to come to terms with the fact that we are who we are and, and this is how it is. And I, I, I get why that isn't, because I, I've been there. I got, I kind of, not that I was ever like, overtly sensitive 
that I get why those jokes aren't funny to some people. Yeah, I mean, we, nice me too. But I think we, I think the disability community we need to find the humor again. I feel like so much of what the disability community is. First of all, we're infighting way too much. Can we just come together and like be kind to each other for like five seconds? And then can we can we we joke around with each other? Maybe like maybe it'll take the pressure off of everyone to feel like they're walking around in eggshells all the time because it often feels that way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, what other types of relationships does your disability have an impact on? Tell me a little bit more about your care relationships. I'd love to hear more about that. So as I've said to you, I've got I've got the greatest friends. They're all fabulous. Um, and I think, you know, that they all see me for me. They all, you know, we, we have had so many incidents where my disability has been like the butt of every joke just because, you know, it's, it's funny and, and we all laugh about it and it's, it's great. However, I do go into every, every friendship relationship no matter what it is going okay so first I need to, to break the ice right that's that's first thing and then I need to figure out whether they want to be friends with me because <laughs> they want a token disabled person in their friendship yeah. right and then I need to figure out almost how how accepting they are of disability, and if they're not, if they're not accepting because they've just never come across it, then that's fine. We can work on that. But if if they're not accepting because of whatever other reason, then then is this relationship based on pity? Um, and but I do that very very quickly in my own head. I think it's, it's almost like a formula of just trying to figure out where people are at let me get my keyboard ready i'm ready to write down this formula because i don't know how to do that i have not cracked the formula so tell me the formula on how to decide if somebody's <laughs> so you break the ice right so you see you make that a classic disabled joke because if that works then you're good um and then I, w- I will, and I, d- I don't actually know whether it's right or wrong, and I, pr- I probably shouldn't, but I think it's just something that I've learned is how, how accepting is the person of, of, of disability. And if they're not accepting, why are they not accepting? And once you've fi- you figured that bit out, like, because I'm an educator, right? So I, I will, I've got, I've got friends that bless them, they're like, okay, do you need me to do this? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, like, I need this, I don't need that. And we have quite an open open um, dialogue about it. Yeah, so how do you get, like, when you're, when you're, after you've broken the ice and when you're ready to be like, when you're ready to, to decide if they're into it, like, what do you do next? After you make the joke, what's your next move? Um, to be honest, just have a conversation. Just start a conversation about anything because I don't know I, I feel like I'm quite intuitive 
And so I can quite easily work out whether people are talking to me and kind of wanting to befriend me because they think I'm disabled and they don't they don't seem to think that I have any other friends, right? Because, yeah. because I'm disabled. Or whether like there is a genuine friendship and there, there is like room to build on that. Um I don't know, it's it it's an intuition thing. It's a it's it's something that I've learned to do quite quickly and it's it's actually probably something that I shouldn't do as much because you have a tendency to make presumptions on people right yeah I agree with you I think but but I also like it it almost for for disabled people that kind of like testing the waters thing is almost second nature but I agree with you we we need to like take a step back and just see where people are coming from and like I say if they if they if they hurt you if they're mean to you if they say something that's directly meant to be offensive then okay let's have a discussion and if they continue to do it okay let's maybe we shouldn't be friends but do you know what though? I've, been, I've been so lucky I can genuinely say that that I have never entered into a friendship that is that or or come across someone that's that's wanting to be a friend just to kind of explore disability in a negative way as in as in that that where they're just wanting to be offensive like I, it's just yeah. like something that I've, I've had to deal with um obviously like friendships and relationships turn sour for very many different reasons but on face value like I've never had someone that, that has been openly offensive so quickly um and I don't know whether that's to do with the fact that I just know to not be friends with those people or I don't know whether it's a formula thing or whether I don't know but I've, I've been really lucky that's great though I'm jealous wow um but that's that's awesome uh tell me a little bit one of the things you said in the question that I'd love to hear from you is what are some of the benefits of being disabled and what are some of your favorite parts of the disability experience um so again you joke you know that this perks the job you get you get to keep jump at disney you get good from ACs, you get good parking um but genuinely i think my friendship circle and the people that I've, I've learned from and the people that I that I you know value in life are a direct result of the fact that I have a disability because um I it comes it comes back down to that thinking outside the box and kind of having a highly different perspective. And I'm a talker, I can, I can talk my way in or out of pretty much anything. Um, so I think, you know, I'm that person that will stop and speak to 
to the guy who's, you know, standing in the street selling whatever he's selling just because I want a conversation and just because I'm interested in people. So I think the benefits of, of me having a disability are that I can communicate, that I am quite articulate. And I, I know that's not the same for everybody. I'm, I'm really aware of that. But for me, personally, like I'm quite articulate. I can say what I want and that, that is something that is still a work in progress. Um, but being able to talk to people and communicate with people on so many different levels is is a real benefit of of being disabled for me. And of course, getting good lines in the queue and getting and, and, you know, and all of those things. Parking and like you know, getting you know some. Pr- so sometimes you get things half off because people feel yeah. bad for you. Like, look, I always take those that stuff. I actually so one of my friends a couple of years ago, um, she broke her back, and I said, "Well, it's fine." I said, "Because if you get any more disabled, you'll get a free car because oh, we got mobility service." <laughs> Okay, cool. Yeah, I always say to my buddy friends, hey, um, like when I used to try to hit on boys to go for dates, I'd say, um, do you want to come as my caregiver to this thing? Because I can get you in for free. And they'd be like, yeah. what do you mean? And I'd be like, well, you're able-bodied and you can just say you need to help me with this thing. And then we'll just get in. And I used to take so many people on dates and I would like jump the line and be like, see, told you. And they'd be like, wow, that's so cool. And I was like, I know. It's like a party trick, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, tell me on the flip side, what are some of your least favorite parts of being disabled? Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing you, you, you might be able to advise on this. Like, People say that CP is, is non-progressive, right? So it is what it is. Yeah, they're and lying. They're, li- they're lying. <laughs> I absolutely agree with that to the extent of, you know, there's, there's people that do have illnesses that are progressive and degenerative. And I do, I, I consider myself quite lucky that I'm not one of those people. And, and the fact that my disability has been... My disability for so long and it's it's you know I can work with what I've got we're not changing the goalposts all of the time yeah. however I do think getting older with CP I've definitely noticed and I don't know whether it's because you know I, I try to do so much my energy levels are just like I said to you earlier they're either 100% or they're like below zero heading towards yep, like yep. minus 100 um i find I, that my my chronic pain as i get older is getting worse and my pain tolerance is far less and my like comfort yeah. level it's all changing and they don't have any data because again as a disabled person they only care about you until you're 18 and oh, then yeah, after that yeah, they're yeah. like oh you're fucked yeah it's it's like when you when you hit hit 18 you suddenly don't aren't disabled and it's like oh well I'll just you know crack on then um I'll just go to the corner and die like okay great (laughs) thanks um yeah I I think 
my CP has in in sort of the past years, I've found some thrown some really interesting nuances um, in in my direction and and like yeah what? like I weird weird nerve pain um, just yeah very very strange things that you just kind of go okay well well that's a thing um and, and carry on um but yeah I would say definitely my energy levels and it's it's something that I'm currently trying to figure out whether there's a formula to do as in if I do loads one week do I need to not do anything the next or do I need to play or is there no form formula at all do I do I just need to hope for that um yeah do you i have a fear i'm gonna be really blunt about this i have a fear of, of dying young because of cp not young but younger than the average person do you ever like that sometimes keeps me up at night do you ever like have this fear um i'll be honest not well i i don't know i think I can't imagine my life beyond a certain point, but that is very much because I I don't know what I'm doing next week, so don't ask me what I'm doing in like <laughs> years time. You know, I've not a clue. Um, I I think, and I I kind of this has sort of been a thing since one of my friends with CP. Um, had some really severe mental health issues and one a piece of advice that she was given by a psychiatrist I think was well yeah of course you're gonna have mental health issues um, and it, it was it was meant so genuinely of course you're gonna have mental health issues your your brain is wired differently like and I'm just like oh god that that makes total sense in the sense yeah. that you know and I, be, before that point I was like you know CP is just a bit of my brain died at, at birth that's that's <laughs> it. Like, very very basically and that's what I told kids when they ask what's wrong with me or you know why I'm in a wheelchair um but the effects of CP inevitably will have a really detrimental impact on our bodies and and on our brains and and yeah I, I feel like there needs to be way more research on about that because I'm still kind of going okay so so what have I got to look forward to in the next sort of 10 years <laughs> yeah like I, I truly and I agree with you I truly wish there was more of that out there and I had somebody on the show recently I don't know when this is going to air but what we were recording it recently and we said the same thing we're like there's no research after you're like 18 and there's no no one cares about it you see you when you're an adult and the i also think part of what i do is talking about how disability feels because there is no emotional like connection to cp for us living with it there is but for people who don't live with it they're like oh yeah it's just like what you said, it's like, oh, my brain died a little bit at birth and that's it. And it's like, yeah. but no, there's so much more going on. And I wish we 
had space to talk about that. I I I think going back to kind of one of one of the negatives is my life has to be so scheduled that almost being impromptu and and, and being oh yeah I'll I'll just stay out an hour later it, it's fine you know it doesn't matter that that can't be a thing because yep. there's there's you you always have to think about someone else so like I employ my own staff and it, there's there's always you've always got to factor someone else in and and what knock-on effect that will have to like the entire team and and, and just your yeah. general life um, and I think that in itself it can be quite it can be quite isolating it can be quite depressing at times and um, yeah i remember when i was in my 20s i used to try to, and i had i had i've had caregivers my whole adult life and i remember being in my 20s my college town being like i don't care that it's bedtime i'm going out and the staff being like but we're here waiting for you we don't have we can't we don't have all night and i'd be like fuck off i'm young one now that i'm like now that i'm old now that i'm like older I'm like, I could never do that to somebody because they're tired and I respect them and I have to just, so I am very much like Cinderella running home to be like, oh, gotta get home by this time because because I gotta I gotta yeah. make sure that so-and-so is okay. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that has its, its benefits too, right? It, it makes us it's, it makes us quite empathetic. It makes us just get out of our own heads sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But wouldn't it be great to just go, do you know what? I'm going to stay till 3 a.m. And, and, and actually, like, I don't need to tell anyone. I don't need to tell anyone where I am, where I'm going, or what time I'm going to be back because I'm just going to go. <laughs> I mean, and I, I feel like that sense of, that sense of teenagehood and like teen rebellion is, we often do that into our, you'll see, well, I, I've done that into my 30s and almost, you know, I'm almost, I'll be 40 in three years into my, like, well, adulthood because, like, we didn't get to do that when, when I, when I was 16, I didn't get to rebel. I had to, I was home with my parents, you know, having care. And so, like, being able to be 25 and stay out till three in the morning was like, woo! Of course, now I'm like, now I'm like, my body hurts, chronic pain is real, I want to go to bed. Yeah. So, like, yeah. It's One interesting how said, we I have. I'm going to be as tired when I wake up at seven as I was when uh, when I went went to bed. So. Yeah, and I, I feel I, I. So in that same vein, what um. What does spontaneity look like for you? Like what it because everything is so so regimented, and believe me, I know. But what does spontaneity look like for you? I mean, I say I say this like you can't be spontaneous but as I say I have no idea what I'm doing next week I, I, I don't <laughs> 100% know what I'm doing tomorrow so I try and as much as I've got to be organized I try and just go with it as much as as I can because actually if you plan everything to within an inch of its life the chance that that plan's not going to pan out anyway so I do try and just go, do you know what? We'll figure it out tomorrow. In fact, that is my favourite line at the minute. We'll figure it out. It, 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 
it generally just means I'll make it up as I go along because I don't have a plan. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, and I'm, I'm quite lucky in the fact that I've got some, some really great, but really unorganised friends. So nine times out of ten, you don't know what's happening until it's happening. Um, so, How does that yeah. organisation affect, like, accessibility when you want to just go out in the town? How does... So like, I'll, I'll give you an example of I... So I've got a friend who lives about an hour away um, and I'm going to go and see her on Saturday and I was going to get the train back um, just because in my head at one point that was logical. Um, Then I realised that I was skinned and then potentially just getting the car would would be like cheap because it would have like because of the way that my care works it would have meant that my car would have done four trips instead of two. Um, so, so, but to get the train, I don't have to book the tickets in advance. I can get them on the day, but I have to book the assistance for the ramp 48 hours in advance. So I have to know exactly. What? You have to book the, you have to book somebody help. So, so you're going to, wait. Is it on the is it on the Eurostar or is it on another? No. So so literally, I can be spontaneous in the sense that I can get the tickets on the day, but I still have to know exactly what train I'm going to get because there's a, a sea of people the other end that need to know when they need to get the ramp out for me. You need to know for you need to know two uh, two days before. Yeah. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I love how that totally does not jive with your oh we'll figure it out oh so like so yeah I'm like in constant conflict of we'll figure it out and and we'll we'll just we'll see what happens to actually know I do need to plan this about 10 years in advance because because there's someone somewhere on the other side of the world that needs to know this bit of information right now yeah yeah um one last question for you what is one thing you wish that we in our world would put a bright light on light on because the the tagline of the show is shining a bright light on disability stories so what's a bright light you wish we would shine on a certain disability thing it's gonna sound really cliche and hippie but just go with it i'll expand i'm ready um i want to do myself out of a job. So as an activist, wouldn't it be great if we didn't have to be an activist? Um, wouldn't it be great if if disability was just part of, of who we were? But with so to get to that point, which by the way, we, we, you know, we're miles off, we, we've come a long way, but we're miles off. Um, disabled people need to have the opportunity to be able to advocate for themselves, to be able to have autonomy over their lives um, and to kind of really understand what their worth is beyond their disability and almost beyond it, in spite of it and because of it. Um, I think 
you know, that, and it, it, it's quite broad, I know, but I, I just, we need to get to the point where we don't, we're not sitting here having this conversation. I mean, it's great, it's been to talk to you. <laughs> We need I mean, not- I'm amazing and you're amazing, so we can have a conversation anytime. But I hear what you're saying. Like, you wish that that this kind of discussion and like, I mean, I love that we, we still have miles to go because I have a job. I get paid to, to yeah, like, exactly. Like, so, so part of me is like, I agree with you. The other part is like, no, no, never get to that point because that, what will I do? And I think, I think, I think, that is that that's the bit of sweetness of it, isn't it? The fact that actually I love what I do. It's exhausting. It's sometimes I don't want to do it. Sometimes I just want to like I have so I have two modes that everyone pretty much now knows about. It's I'm gonna do everything right now and I'm gonna be on it or not today. <laughs> it's, it's it's go or not all. Um yeah, as, as much as, as all of that is a thing, like, it needs to not be, um, yeah. you know. And I think that is what I try and do as myself and as I try, is I just want to empower people to make a difference in their own lives and embrace all the diversity and, and embrace who they are. So you think we should we should shine a bright light on that, that, you don't want there to be disability advocates anymore because we should just all be. We should <laughs> yeah, just all maybe, be. Maybe we shouldn't word it like that because it's not a very. <laughs> for you no, okay, let's word it. Let's word it a better way. That we shouldn't have to work in disability advocacy if we don't want to. I mean, I th- I think, I think, ultimately, we'd be lying if if we said that we weren't striving. For, for there not to be such a thing as advocacy within within the disability sector and disability rights. I think, you know, had my life gone a different way, um, everyone should have a choice how much they choose to act upon their disability um, and how much, you know, because way back when I say that like it was like a hundred years ago but um I I didn't want a part of that but as, as long as as long as me not having a part of that didn't also mean that I was not li- living my best disabled life as I call it um like as long as as long as that was just a choice I don't know, I could have gone into accountancy or just something else as long as that's a choice and and not something that someone else forces upon you. Because I think it's, especially with disabilities like ours, the chairs are so visible and I'm quite gobby sometimes. And I I think it was just a given that, I should uh, be an advocate because I've got the chair, I've got the voice, and let's. let's and you have it. the hair. The audience can't see, but Joe has some bright pink hair happening right now. Thank you. I um, hired a 
a hairdresser over lockdown. It was great. It was the greatest thing. It I've looks ever so done. It looks so great. It looks very nice. It's it's nice. Full of product and does not look like this first thing in the morning. But thank you. I'll take that. Well, it looks. I enjoy it. Um, Joe Tully, thank you for coming on Disability After Dark. How do the humans get a hold of you? How can they follow you, support you? So, firstly, thank you for having me in this chat. It's been great. Um, sorry if I Of course, talking. anytime. You're awesome, and I want to keep in touch, for sure. Yeah, definitely. That'd be really good. Um, so, how do they get into touch? So, my website is uh, ijot.uk. Um, so, w- so, ijot. Yeah. So, I, Joe, Holly. Um, so, yeah. I J O T that was way more complicated than what what I needed to be. <laughs> so, the, so I dot dot UK dot UK. Okay, and then on social media. Uh, social media, it's Instagram is I dot J dot Holly. Yep. And Facebook. Very good question. Can I just look? Yes, of course. <laughs> of course. But I think that I actually I, I got hacked two weeks ago. Oh no. Set some more stuff up. Um so it is um yeah, it's literally I Joe Tully. Uh, I awesome. Joe Tully. And I will make sure all of that's in the show notes. Joe Tully, I Jot. That was so it was so fun to sit down with you today and thank you for being on Disability After Dark and for shining a light on your work and who you are. And you're just awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. Anytime and we'll talk to you very soon, okay? All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. All right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark from me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media on Instagram and Twitter at Andrew Gerza underscore, or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com to find out more about what I do. And of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was created, recorded, and produced by Cripple & Co. Productions and Andrew Gerza. Any and all use of materials, graphics, audio recordings, etc. cannot be used or distributed without express permission. If you would like to use an episode of the podcast or license an episode of the podcast on your website, Please consider emailing Andrew Gerza and Crippling Co. Productions at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Copyright 2020.
2022.